It's time for JT the Brick. What the hell's going on out there? It's the calm before the Tennessee storm, and they're coming home a wounded animal. Thank God the Raiders are playing this Tennessee team. Can you imagine if Tennessee beat Buffalo? No need to panic, but it's a must win. Derek Carr has to play great. Not good. He's got to play great. And I'd be damned if I'm going to sit by and watch my team go to Tennessee and get haunted by that Tannehill effect. JT the Brick. Raiders got to beat the Titans. They've got to now jump all over Tennessee and take Tennessee's will away. That's hard to do on the road. I think Tennessee's got much more problems than the Raiders. I mean, you're 0-2, you don't throw away the season. Come on, you got 15 games left. The Raiders have 15 games left. But you got to win in Tennessee. Got to win in Tennessee. Must win in Tennessee. And now, here's JT the Brick. Hey, welcome back, everybody. JT with you, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Sam and Ash Injury Law. Because you deserve what's right. Let me tell you about my friend Sam and Ash. If you get into an accident, you get two attorneys for the price of one. They are the best of the best here in town. You see their billboards everywhere. I went on the strip the other night at Sahara, right in front of Sahara Resorts World to the left. I look at the giant billboard of my friend Sam and Ash because they're successful at winning. They win. They're not full of this crazy testosterone. They're not doing fake commercials on motorcycles. They're not screaming at you. They're great at what they do, the best of the best. Your personal injury attorneys, give them a call, 702-820-1234. Sam and Ashley, my friends, are waiting for you. Put them in your phone in case you need them. You might need them in Vegas. Vegas at times is out of control. If you get in an accident, get to the side of the road. Be safe. Don't take any crazy calls from anyone. Stabilize and call Sam and Ash. Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 because you deserve what's right. We'll have Josh McDaniels press conference coming up here in a minute. And I'm looking for some friends in the Raider Nation to let me know what's going to happen in this game. Who needs to step up? I'm looking at TV now. And my wife always tells me, she's got a great line. She says, you're the only one who watches this crap. And she means it. I watch some of these debate shows. I'm good friends with Stephen A. Smith. I watch him, but I'm usually out running errands in the morning or not, or I am, but not a lot. But the crap that's on cable, sports cable during the day is garbage. But I'm in my home studio. I got a couple of screens here. And I look up and I froze it. I press pause and it says must win weekend. I said, what is this? These are the teams that are categorized as a must-win. Owen to Atlanta at Seattle. New Orleans at Owen to Carolina. Owen to Cincinnati at the Jets. Owen to Houston at Chicago. And Owen to Las Vegas at Owen to Tennessee. They're right. This is garbage crap television filler. But it's, it's true. There's five games that feel like they're must-wins. Winner move forward, loser go home. There's a long season left for the Raiders, but the Raiders are in a tight spot here, and they got to win a game. And again, I've broken down the season with you all. I appreciate you calling in and tweeting. I've broken it down into four halves. First game of the year, no show in the first half. Miss Darren Waller in the end zone. They're down 17-3. to That is out. Second half against the Chargers. A B plus. Derek got him back into the game. Halftime adjustments. Defense did a pretty good job slowing down Justin Herbert. Gave the Raiders an opportunity to win the game late. They didn't win. First half against Arizona, an A. Man, I'd give you an A plus if I'm a teacher, but I give the Raiders an A. 
their best quarter of the year, home opener, Allegiant Stadium, after Carlos Santana lit the torch. Man, were they ready to go. And then the second half, the biggest collapse in Raiders regular season history. Yeah. What do you want to give that, a D or an E? Or how, lo- how much lower can you go with that? So it's the tale of these two half games. Don't need this brilliant game in Tennessee. Just win the game. Win it 17-16, 24-23, 31-30. I don't care. I'm going to be there. I got friends coming in from New York. I got friends coming in from out of town. I'm flying on the team charter. I can't wait to go to Nashville. I've had this thing circled since the schedule came out. Let's get a W. Raider fans, give me the one player today and tomorrow as we travel on Friday that you think is going to be the difference. Give me your MVP of the game in Nashville. Who's that player? Because this injury report, injury report's going to be real interesting. And as you know, I interview Josh McDaniels every Thursday. And we don't talk injuries. It's not his fault. He comes from the Belichick tree. He's a hell of a coach. He's not going to sit there and let me talk for five minutes about every individual injury. He doesn't do that. And I'm good with that. I try to get him to talk about things that are important about the upcoming opponent. We'll spend a little bit of time on the tape and what he saw there, but we're moving on, and we're getting into Tennessee. So love to know what you think about this upcoming game. I'm not a mind reader. Raider fans, what needs to happen in this game? Is it a Waller game? Renfro was concussed at the end of the game. He wasn't at practice today from what Deshaun Reed said, and we'll have Vinny Bonsignor on. We'll get an update on some injuries and whatever Vinny can tell us going forward. Uh, just a little while ago, Josh McDaniels, head coach, met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Here he is. You know, and Becky and the job that they did. Uh, I know Mark was extremely happy uh, about that and obviously a really cool thing for the state and the city. So uh, congratulations on their championship and um, continued success. Hope they enjoy all that's coming to them. So they've earned it. Um, we're knee-deep into Tennessee. Uh, this is obviously a... Uh, it's a team that uh, we're getting familiar with. Uh, it's not a, a team that we've, you know, uh, played that many times recently, um, but uh, certainly have a very specific style uh, that they like to play with. Um, very physical, aggressive, um, you know, try to get control of the game, uh, which they oftentimes do. Um, you know, a very, a very good in close games last year, you know, had a bunch of, you know, games decided by three points or less and were very, um, very successful in all of those. So they can, you know, win the tight ones at the end. They play very good situational football, um, very good running game. Obviously, that goes without saying. But uh, Derrick Henry, um, you know, uh, any superlative you want to use for him uh, would be accurate. Um, you know, obviously durable, um, big, physical, fast, um, you know, is just going to have the ball, you know, um, more than any other player on their team, obviously, and uh, need to need to do a good job of, of trying to contain him. I mean, it's very difficult to stop him, but um, and then defensively, they play very physical, uh, change their coverages, um, give you a lot of different looks in the secondary. Got really, um, you know, really good safeties uh, that do a good job of disguising the coverages. Um, I'd say that Bayard and Simmons are two of the very best players that we're going to see all year on any team. Um, defensively, uh, do a great job of getting the, getting the football. Uh, and then they present a lot of challenges in the kicking game. Uh, the young punter has got a huge leg. 
young returners already made a couple splash plays in the return game. Um, it's probably the best field goal rush team we're going to see, or certainly we've seen so far. Uh, do a great job. Autry's blocked more kicks than any other player in the last six or eight years. So um, a lot of things they do well. Uh, obviously, they earned the you know the recognition they got last year in terms of the AFC and where they where they ranked and qualifying for the playoffs, those kind of things. Um, and I've played there before. It's a tough place to play. It'll be loud, um, so it'll it'll be another big challenge for us. <clears throat> Has uh, added a tackle um, from mm -hmm. New England. Uh, yeah. What was the thought process behind that? And does he come in here and potentially compete for a starting job? Uh, Justin Haran is a guy that I'm familiar with. Just a, an opportunity that you know presented. Uh, Dave, you know, talks to a, a number of people, obviously, and uh, was just presented to us in the last 24 hours or so. And um, a guy that we have some familiarity with uh, has played tackle in games, plenty of games, and. Um, you know, so has some versatility, um, young player that's continuing to develop. So, uh, you know, it's a position, obviously, that's important to every team in the National Football League. And um, if you feel like you can upgrade your, you know, your your depth, um, you know, at that position, um, it's one of those ones where you got to think about it. So um, we'll just, you know, let him come in here and compete and, you know, uh, acclimate to, to what we're doing and then, you know, see where it goes. But no expectations other than just, you know, adding a player that we are familiar with that feel like has some upside and, um, you know, look, looking forward to the develop him. You guys continued the rotation at tackle. Um, is that something that you see maybe indefinitely uh, if need be? Or, or is there a point where you feel like, okay, Somebody sort of solidify themselves as as the guy at that position or the other. Um, you know, if it if it if it's clear that uh, it's definitely better to go one way or the other, then I think he would do that. Um, you know, I think that sometimes when you say that there's like this imaginary date at the end of training camp where you have to stop everything and say, "Hey, we're done competing." Um, I think you do yourself a disservice and you do some of the players a disservice because, you know, we still compete in practice. Um, we're still competing, you know, you know to, to, uh, to earn the opportunity to go out there and play winning football for our team. So um, I think all those guys that have rolled in there have certainly earned it. It wasn't just given to them. And, um, you know, we'll continue to evaluate that and stress the competition as we go forward. Coach Graham kind of came in and said, based off the little bit he knows about Mike Favreau, he feels that the team is an extension of him. You obviously being someone that knows him a little better, would you agree with that statement? No question. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I came into the league and Mike ended up at the Patriots. We ended up at the same time. Um, our very first year was 01. And, you know, just to see him uh, as a player, you know, very tough-minded guy, physical um, you know, did all the little things right, uh, very intelligent, highly intelligent player, um, could play the game up here just as well as he could physically and um, was a huge uh, component to those defenses back then for a number of years and won a lot of championships. Um, it was a big reason why, and um, you see that from his football team. They're always prepared. Um, nothing's easy. They don't concede one yard on defense. I don't care what play it is, what game it is um they're not going to give you anything um you know they want to you know control and dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides they do the same thing in a kicking game so um there's no question that his the way he wants to play you can see it any put any game film on you want and it's going to jump out at you so um 
you know, he'll, I'm sure he'll have them ready to go this week. Uh, he always does, and uh, they play the way that he wants them to play. Josh, no moral victories, we know all that, no silver linings. But after the game, players were angry, disgusted, no feeling sorry for themselves, nobody down. Matt, do you like the grit you've seen in your guys coming off two losses? Yeah, and I think that's a, it's an important characteristic. You know, um, you know, there's there's no team that goes through an entire season and, you know, doesn't have to deal with some type of an adversity, whether that's a stretch of games, you know, a stretch of injuries, um, you know, whatever it might be. The ball bounces somebody else's way a little bit. Uh, so, you know, I think handling adversity, we've talked about that since April. You know, you, you're going to have to handle it, you know, all year long if you're going to survive and be there at the end and and give yourself a chance to play your best. And so sometimes lessons are harder harder learned when you lose, um, you know, and they're harder to swallow. But, you know, there's still great lessons to learn. And I think the the outlook that we have, the attitude that we've come in this week with um, is, is what I would want them to have. Um, I think they're eager to practice today. Uh, looking forward to get out in there, getting ready to, to go here for Tennessee. But um, it's tough, but it's the right kind of mindset that we have, and, I, and I'm really excited about that. Yesterday about Derek still learning your system, and each day it's better. Um, with that, does it come the aggressiveness that maybe you would like? I mean, I know a lot goes into it, whether he's protected or not, but the more he gets into it, do you expect the aggression to become more so? Um, yeah, I thought, you know, I thought he was, you know, he, he took some, uh, good chances, you know, last week and, uh, the week before. And again, I think he'll, he's just like everybody else, you know, that the more he does this with this new group of guys around him, um, the more comfortable you get, you know, doing a lot of things, you know? And so Derek's no different, you know, works extremely hard, super well-prepared, um, and he learns from all the things that happen, good or bad, you know. So, um, you know, no, I'm excited about where we're going. And he just, he's, like I said, he's kind of the leader of that group in terms of, hey, all right, this didn't go exactly the way we want it. Now we're going to get better and we're going to be better for it this week. So he's got a great outlook and approach. And I expect him to continue to, to improve as we go. Jacobs has uh, gotten the large share of the, the carries and even snaps, um, maybe, maybe more than some would expect from the outside with how many running backs you guys have. Is that a case of just what you said at other positions that, that he's earned those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I think he's, you know, he's done well with the chances that he's had, uh, which doesn't surprise anybody here. Um, you know, and, and there's, you know, the backs, a lot of times people as associate the backfield with just carries, you know, and. Brandon Bolden plays on every kicking unit, you know. Uh, Amir Abdullah's out there on plenty of those two. Zamir White's doing the same thing, you know. Um, depth and, you know, on your football team doesn't have to just be at one specific spot when you take, you know, all of it into consideration. So, um, you know, Josh has been, you know, in good condition. Um, he's been able to stay out there. He takes care of his body. He's healthy. So, Runs hard, uh, does a lot of good things. So, um, well, we we got good depth, and and he's and he's playing well. Trevon Merrick and Andre James, Denzel and uh, Hunter. Um, nothing in terms of like where we're at relative to the expectation for the game, but I think all of them are getting better, um, and all of them are progressing. So, hopefully, uh, we're going to turn the corner here, a few corners, hopefully, um, but nothing you know assured yet for the game. Hasn't been asking Jonathan able to play a bunch of different positions, and it seems like he's handled that pretty well so far. What have you seen from him through two weeks? Yeah, um, smart guy, 
you know, I mean, we put a lot on him. And, uh, you know, he's been able to handle the duality of the, the multiple roles that we've given him. Um, you know, a big cog in terms of the overall communication on the defense. Um, physical, you know, a guy who's – I think John has always been a guy who's willing to hit anything that moves. I think what John's learning how to do is is take his aggression – and also learn how to play under control so that there's less, you know, maybe a, you know, less missed tackle or less overrun here or there, um, which is a sign of a guy who's maturing, you know. And so um, asking him to do a lot of th- things, um, he's answering the bell and love the way he practices and competes and uh, looking forward to that continuing. All right, so that's a portion of Josh McDaniels. I'm sure Q will have more to say as he was there. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor coming up here in a little bit. You know, what Josh McDaniel said for the limited time I've known him is he's always saying you got to learn how not to lose before you can win. He said that from the day he got here, as these are the players that he's inherited and bringing in new players. This isn't his team yet. It's his team now. Of course, he's the head coach, but they are a work in progress, getting rid of players that were already here, signing players to extensions, and then bringing in a new crop of guys that they want to be their guys going forward. You all know that. It's pretty easy to see this is a transition from one coaching staff to the next. And some fans don't like it. Some fans say, well, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. They're not doing it that way. They're bringing in their guys. And that's the process we're going through. And when you're 0-2, that gets scrutinized a bit. But when it comes down to him, he praises these players because they're in the building and he believes it. I'm happy we heard that about Jonathan Abram as he talked about what he's been able to do and how they're getting him to play under control a little bit more and how important it is for him to play under control. I like that. He's a positive guy. There hasn't been any jabbing with the media. Notice that. Vrabel was. If you saw Vrabel's press conference in Buffalo, he was jabbing with the media. None of that from Josh McDaniels. He's a pro's pro. But they got to get a win. And I think the injury report's going to be really important. Hunter... What's going on with Perryman? What are we going to see with Trayvon Merrick? You know, a lot of guys are down, and it was a clean injury report when the season started off. All right, so coming up, we got Vinny Bonsignor, which I'm excited to talk to him about. He's uh, His insider segment is always with us on Wednesdays. Uh, tomorrow will be our exclusive interview with Josh McDaniels. We'll go through our grid on who we got tomorrow. And then Friday, a quick show before I get on the plane with the Raiders and we head to Nashville. If you're going to Nashville, let me know. If you're listening in Nashville, let us know. I'll be anchoring the pregame show from the booth uh, before Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy, who will both be guests with us. That's a cool little announcement. Uh, Jason and Lincoln will join us on every pregame show, home and on the road, at Allegiant Stadium, along with our insiders. When we're when we're at Allegiant Stadium, this past pregame was wild. We had the president of the team, Sandra Douglas Morgan, came on with us. She was outstanding. We had Richie Incognito, and we had Jim Plunkett. All of those guests came right to the torch, so meet me at the torch. And we had a hell of a turnout there, man. Eric Allen likes to see people and talk to people during the commercials. So come say hello to EA and myself when we're at the torch. 702-365-9200 as we continue on here. When we come back, Vinny Bonsignor at the bottom of the hour, he asked a lot of those questions. They go to Vinny first. I got a lot to ask Vinny about. How's this roster look? and the matchup against the Tennessee Titans. As we are brought to you by Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had. I've eaten a lot of pizza over the years. I'm from New York. It's the closest thing I have to New York pizza here in Vegas. Grimaldi's, 
Head on out to the four locations here in the Valley. It's an eye formation. Snap. Carr steps back. Lobs the throw. Roller in the end zone. Feet down. Touchdown. He lobbed it up near sideline. Waller went up and got it on a three-yard pass. Jason Horowitz on the call. He joins us every week. And now Benny Bonsignor, who's kind enough to join us, the great Raider insider. And we appreciate his partners and sponsors that he brings here to our time slot with his great appearance. And Vinny, I'll see you in Nashville as I'm coming in. And I didn't think the Raiders would be 0-2, but the past is the past. They got to get a win what was it like today at practice and sitting in front of Josh McDaniels at the press conference? Yeah, um, and Josh McDaniels, by the way, I apologize for the wind. It's a windy day out here in Henderson. Uh, but, uh, you know, Josh said that, uh, you know, they're excited to get back to work, uh, try to figure out what, um, what's been preventing them from playing four good quarters uh, in a row. If you go back to the uh, second half of the Chargers game and the first half of the Cardinals game, the Raiders are up 31 to 6 or 31 to 7. So they can do it. They just need to do it in one game. Um, and they started bad against the Chargers. They, they, they finished strong against the Chargers. They started strong against the Cardinals. They finished bad against the Cardinals. It's a matter of putting together four straight quarters in the same game uh, and winning a game. They're, they're absolutely capable of doing it. I think that's what's so frustrating uh, to the Raiders right now is just finding that mix of being able to stay consistent. Uh, which is something that's eluded them so far. And Vinny, it's tough to play the perfect game or to play four really good quarters when you go up against a good opponent. This Titans team has really struggled this year. They can't get their offense going. They don't have the playmakers that we've typically seen in the past, and they're struggling on pass defense. I wouldn't say they're a perfect opponent because I respect the hell out of Rabel and this organization and the big games they've played in the last three or four years, but... It looks like the Raiders are catching them at a good time, and they got to take advantage of the way that the Titans have been playing these first couple of weeks. Yeah, no question about it. And right now for the Raiders, it really is all about just winning one game and then trying to build off of that. And you're right. It's a good opponent, it looks like, on paper, based on what we've seen uh, on film these first couple of weeks, that this is a game that the Raiders really should win. They're the better team. They have more talent. Um, they have more firepower. Uh, than, than, than the Titans, uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, you can't let this kind of an opportunity slip through your hands because you've got to get back on track. When you start talking about 0-3, uh, you're really putting yourself in a vulnerable position. They already are statistically in a vulnerable position. 0-2 teams historically uh, don't fare too well in terms of the making, making the playoffs. Now, keep in mind, a lot of those stats were on 16-game seasons, or 14-game seasons, uh, so some of it is a little bit distorted. Uh, but there has to be a beginning point for the Raiders, and the Titans, to me, offer a great opportunity for them to sort of hit the reset button and get back on the right side of things. I agree with you. Vinny Bonsignor, you nailed that. They have the opportunity to hit the reset button and have a win going into the Denver game, and Denver's really struggled with their coach and quarterback being on the same page. I mean, the schedule's tough, but you know they you beat the Cardinals, you're one and one, and you really have an opportunity to put together and stack some wins. And a win's got to come somewhere. Vinny, I'm a little bit concerned with this injury report uh, before my conversation with the coach tomorrow. 
you were out there today. Do you, do you sense that someone's going to come back and make it to Nashville and be able to go? Or is it going to be a game where there's going to be three or four players down? Well, as of today, Trevon Merrick wasn't out there. Andre James wasn't out there. Hunter Renfro wasn't out there. Denzel Perryman wasn't out there. Oh. Uh, Brendan Bolden uh, was back. So uh, we're we're on on Wednesday right now, and uh, you know the, the three of the players uh, that missed uh, Sunday's game, and then one more in Hunter Renfro, uh, who took a vicious hit on that uh, last play of the game, not out there on practice. I know talking to Josh uh, McDaniel's, he was hopeful, um, you know that uh, that, they, that they're going to be able to to work their way back, uh, but he wasn't ready to make any kind of declarations that any of those guys are going to be back on Sunday. So you almost have to plan for the fact that they're not going to be out there uh, again uh, and just try to do your best uh, to, to you know make sure that the guys that are out there are ready to compete at a high level and not just at a high level but a high level for four quarters I think again going back to the frustration of that Sunday game not being able to be at your best when your best was required that's something that uh, Josh McDaniels and his coaching staff has really stressed being a tough intelligent football team that plays their best when the best is required and you look back uh, on Sunday to that last eight-minute stretch and into overtime, the Raiders weren't um, able to do that. And that's troublesome. It's not catastrophic because I think that they have the talent on this roster to do exactly that, but it's got to start somewhere. Uh, wrap it up with Vinny Bonsignor. And, Vinny, uh, finally, what's a fair criticism or assessment of Derek? Because, you know, you got Stephen A. Smith on first take, and then you got a whole bunch of other people in between here, and I think we call it pretty fair here. I want him to run more. The only thing I'd like him to do is just run more. There's, pick up one or two first downs a game, not six or seven, not be Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Get one or two that will extend the drives, and I think that was really important in the Arizona game because Arizona, you know, the, they were trying to double-team Devontae, Hunter, Darren Waller. Please tell me there's open green grass in front of him where he can get a first down from time to time because sometimes these guys are going to be doubled down the field. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a time where he, he did run for a first down uh, against the Cardinals. You know, you like to see uh, him do a little bit more of that. You know, when those opportunities present themselves, I do think the offensive line still needs to get uh, its act together on a consistent basis. There were far too many times where he was just under pressure way too soon in the whole, you know, progression. Um, you know, he's got to have time also to be able to see down the field and let certain patterns develop so that, you know, they're maximizing this talent that they have. Uh, and there's just been too many times this year where he hasn't had that time to the point where there wasn't any room to run. <laughs> you know, it was either throw it or take a sack. Rush, throw it, or take a sack. Um, so, you know, uh, trying to figure out, where that room is to run, too, is, has been a little bit of a problem. But I'm with you. When the opportunity is there, uh, it doesn't hurt every once in a while just to tuck the ball away and go get six, seven yards or whatever the yards are required to get a first down when there's nothing happening in terms of open players, guys getting double teamed. Hey, Vinny, last one. I've been in Nashville in the past with the Raiders, but not since the explosion of Broadway and the new industrial massive bars and what they were able to do. I mean, they really set the bar high before Vegas broke the attendance for the draft. I mean, this is a hell of an NFL city, entertainment, music, and all of that. From your perspective, just talk about that market for the NFL and how important it is. Yeah, I completely agree. And a lot of people kind of talk about it as, 
not with the gambling part of it, but with the entertainment part of it, sort of a uh, Las Vegas East, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of got that feel to it, that entertainment feel to it, that vibe, that energy. Um, and I think the NFL, no doubt about it, uh, is ecstatic with that as a market and a growing market. It continues to get bigger and bigger and better and better. And I think in Las Vegas, you, 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 you kind of see the same elements. I mean, obviously, there's only one Las Vegas, but now that an NFL team is here, uh, you know, a hockey team looks like the NBA is going to be here eventually. Uh, these are markets that were new horizons for the NFL, and there were always some questions, you know, could a Nashville, you know, be a great market? Could a Las Vegas be a great market? And I think both of those cities are, are answering that with a resounding yes. Thank you, Vinny. We'll see you in Nashville. Thanks so much for your appearances. We greatly appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, guys. There he is, Vinny Bonsignor, out there in Henderson, where it is windy here in Summerlin. Deep Henderson, Summerlin. Technology is incredible, isn't it? Sounds like Vinny's right there. Thanks again to Vinny. we got a big-time broadcaster coming up next, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. I want to talk to him about Tom Brady. He's the play-by-play voice of the Buccaneers in the preseason before he jumps over to Fox nationally. I think he has Atlanta and Seattle coming up this weekend. Chris will join us next. Thanks, Steph McKenzie, voice of our show. She's got a new podcast out. And I welcome in another friend, Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. And, Chris, I was just saying before you came on, you worked with Tom Brady in the preseason. And they've had a little bump in the road here and there, but they're undefeated and off to a good start. How do you see it? Yeah, you know, if you think back, as, as great as Brady has been, even when the Bucks won the Super Bowl when they had to fight off Mahomes in Kansas City, remember it was the defense in that game for Tampa Bay, Todd Bowles, defensive coordinator with Arians, the head coach. That's really what, what won it. Obviously, Brady is great, and Brady did what Brady does. And I, I think this team, and I think he even realized it coming in, you know, they, they added Julio Jones. They had a, a number of other receivers, Russell Gage. I think they were concerned about Godwin's health. And now with Evans out on the suspension, even though he's appealing, uh, he was ailing as well, fired up. So, so they're thin at receiver, no Gronkowski. They drafted tight ends. They had injuries in the offensive line. This will be a better Bucks offense later in the year. I think Ryan Jensen will be able to come back as center, hopefully, with, with the knee injury he suffered in training camp. But in the meantime, the defense is going to have to carry him because that's how they're going to win games. And Brady will play it smart. He's not going to turn it over like some quarterbacks and make it worse on his team or his defense. But the fact that they can be 2-0 and in two games, uh, scoring just, what, 39 points total, uh, tells you something about, about where they're headed. Could be trouble against Green Bay if the Packers pick it up. But last time Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were in Tampa, they, they blitzed the heck out of him. And that's the specialty of Todd Bowles. And he's got a healthy – well, he's going to miss Akeem Hicks. They're going to miss him on the defensive line. But a, but a healthier secondary uh, than they've had in the past. Uh, Chris, the Eagles look for real, 2-0. and Jalen Hurts had a great game. What a character, kid. You've had his games. You know the Eagles. You know their infrastructure of that team. And now with the Cowboys having Dak Prescott out for a while, I think this is where they got to make hay and win some games and maybe distance themselves. I always thought it was going to come down to the Cowboys with a healthy Dak and the Eagles down to the wire. And the Giants are out of the gate, 2-0. and Commanders are 1-1. and Handicap the NFC East for me, and who do you like on top? 
Yeah, and I look, even the Eagles, I think, were hesitant, even though there's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts, because we just didn't see enough. And I think they mentioned Troy Aikman in the Monday night broadcast about the some of the fundamentals or technique, you want to call it, that Hurts has worked on to become a, a better pocket passer in the NFL. I, I'm impressed with his strength, the way he runs around, and, and now the, even the decision-making that, that we saw. So I think the Eagles, he's convincing them even more that with their oh, that boatload of future draft picks that maybe they don't need to go after a quarterback. Maybe this this is the right quarterback as long as he can protect himself and, and, and stay healthy. And they, they gave him better receivers uh, to work with as well. Giants, I'm totally shocked. Uh, we know the story on on their quarterback situation. So he's playing for a lot, Daniel Jones. And Brian Dable coming over from Buffalo, what he did in the growth and development of uh, of uh, Josh Allen, I think maybe there's hope there. I'm, I'm just surprised how well with limited personnel uh, they've played in the first couple of games in, in beating Tennessee and Carolina. Washington will be better later in the year, JT, when Chase Young is back on defense and Brian Robinson, who had that carjacking shooting incident, he was going to win the starting running back job, and he'll be back in a, in a couple, maybe three more weeks. So that'll make the difference. And Dak Prescott will be back for Dallas, impressed with the with the Cowboys' defense. But I think it's a wide-open division, and I, I, I wish I foresaw the Eagles being as good as they are. It's only a couple of games. But I think we saw last year their coaching and where they're headed. I, I think they're still the team to beat in this division, even if everybody else gets healthy. Chris Myers is our guest. He's calling the Falcons at Seahawks this Sunday. Kickoff 425 Eastern, 125 local out here on Fox. Also hosting in the Fox studio on Thursday as Fox carries the Yankees and Red Sox game. So, Chris, let's jump in and talk about what's happening in the NFC West. I feel bad for Trey Lance because of all the euphoria from the Niner fans who wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. I thought that Trey Lance eventually would possibly lose the job if he went through a tough you know, lost two in a row that maybe Kyle would have the quick hook and go with Jimmy Garoppolo, especially if the Rams were kind of getting away from them a bit. But now no choice. And the fact that Jimmy G signed there when it looked like all intentions were he weren't going to be there, Niner fans got to be very fortunate. If they didn't have Jimmy G, where would they be? Yeah, and you can tell as they tried out, I think, four or five different quarterbacks that back up Jimmy Garoppolo with Lance out. They took a big risk on, on Lance, and, and they seem to be, when I say they, maybe it's Kyle Shanahan and the 49er organization, the only ones that, that felt his value was where they put him and, and set him up for this job with the kind of contending team that's around them and, and around him in terms of a, of a Super Bowl shot. And, and they're fortunate. I, look, I, I think they could have handled it better from the start with Garoppolo. I know he had the injury, healthy, and they, I, I equated it at the time to and it was a different circumstance but the success the Rams had with Jared Goff but Sean McVay thought you know I I still he's good but we can go one step better and if we get our guy and he had identified Stafford as the guy and they got the Super Bowl and that was a difference maker Goff doing well in Detroit though by the way since at least this year whereas the 49ers said Garoppolo could take us so far gets to a Super Bowl but maybe if we want to win it or get back there again we need to go in a different route maybe it's the mobility of the quarterback whatever but but they it was it's it's just it, it, he was not as proven as a guy like Stafford, so it was a big, big risk to take. And they're th- fortunate that they didn't trade Garoppolo, but the truth is an experienced Garoppolo, if he's healthy, does give them a better chance this year with this team and this division, the shape that it's in, Seattle, Arizona, the Rams trying to bounce back you know, after, after a Super Bowl or at least live up to, to what they did last year. So I, I think the 49ers actually kind of lucked into an, an unfortunate injury for Lance, 
a better situation than they at least envisioned when they went into this season with Lance as their guy. Chris Myers is our guest. So, Chris, I always talk about the 0-2 teams because it's important because some teams are better, much better than 0-2. I think the Raiders and the Titans are a good example. They'll play each other Sunday in Nashville. Over your years of covering the NFL as long as you have, you see this happen all the time. Remember the year that Jerry uh, Emmett held out? They were 0-2. He paid them. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. That doesn't happen often where an 0-2 team, you can make the playoffs, but to win the Super Bowl, the odds are stacked against you. Explain how this sport can get away from you really quickly if you don't handle your schedule early. Yeah, and even and 0-3, and, and one of those teams, unless there's a tie, and we, I think we Tennessee and, and the Raiders, we we thought that they'd at least be in the playoffs. Now, remember, we we have the extra game. We've expanded the schedule. Uh, they've expanded the, the, the playoff picture, so there's there's more opportunity to get in. But as you said, the Super Bowl is a little bit of a different story, and the wear and tear it takes on you if you start out in a hole, whether it's 0-2 or, or 0-3. So over the years, and really even in these last few years, and I think we're even seeing there's always injuries, JT. That's, that's really part of the game. It's how you handle the injuries, or if they're coming to your team all at the same position. You lose you know, one offensive lineman, you can handle that. You lose your starting center and your starting left tackle, you know, and they're out for six six weeks or maybe half the year. Big difference in terms of what your team can do. If you lose all your top receivers or an ace running back, like you said, Emmett Smith, by the time they got him back and in a groove, they were a better team later in the year. So, uh, again, teams with three preseason games, a lot of teams rested. I don't want to belabor that point because we're already into week three. You should be ready to roll. But but I, I, I just think it's about hanging in there. And so when you you see teams, what do we all, they only have a few unbeaten teams here. When you see teams like the Lions in Seattle already winning, you see a team like, you know, the Giants 2-0 and that nobody had contending, but yet in that division they can. Uh, I think it's going to take a spot from somebody else. And Cincinnati, 0-2. Now, they won a lot of close games last year. They've lost close two close games you know, this year. So uh, most teams, and they'll tell you a one-possession game, that you got to win most of those games if you want to hang around and get into the playoffs and then, and then make a serious run. But ultimately, uh, Buffalo, uh, it's like the Rams last year. Everybody put it on them. Hey, there's a team to beat. They should be. They should, and they did it. You know, uh, Buffalo is that team this year. They look as good, and they're playing without Tredavious White, who's their top defensive mm-hmm. player. And when he comes back, he'll at least help shut down some key quarterbacks like uh, Mahomes when they run into those guys. Wrapping up with Chris Meyer. So take me back in the day to your Miami years. Don Shula, Dan Marino, Jimmy Johnson, uh, everybody you knew before and during the Bristol years. And now we have a new era with Tua literally had a Dan Marino game. Six touchdowns. He could have threw for 500 yards. And Mike McDaniel was calling all the plays with Tyreek Hill. What's the energy like in South Florida? Oh, it's through the roof, and it's it's been so long. Forget Super Bowl, just the Dolphins being in a playoff game, winning a playoff game, ha- game having a realistic chance to make a Super Bowl run. And again, all those years, you know, New England dominating the division when Miami wasn't didn't have a quarterback, and now of course they got to worry about Buffalo and and, and Josh Allen. But uh, Mike McDaniel, I, I watched him closely. He's been everywhere that Kyle Shanahan was, every stop along the way, Houston, mm-hmm. Atlanta, 
Washington and then even in San Francisco. So I, I knew he had the play calling skills, but I was uh, wowed by the, the kind of leadership he seemed. It's again, it's only a couple of games, but just the way he's come in and brought out the best in players. And I, I thought I did a lot of Dolphin games last year, JT. Their defense was as good as anybody. They're, they're on the level mm-hmm. with the Buccaneers in terms of how they can blitz you and the, the personnel they have to play you. So their defense is very good. It didn't did show up against Lamar Jackson and Buffalo, but but Tua and look, Justin Herbert is the one who's made Tua look a little weaker than maybe he really is, or it's judged differently. And again, he had some injury issues, but he's he's he can handle this, and he's he's got the right coach to allow him to kind of be the the point guard to distribute the ball to a set of receivers, and they have some depth at, at running back with Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, which which they hadn't really had anybody at that productive in the, in the last few years. But yes, uh, the hopes are high. It's very early. Uh, I, I said before the season, obviously their playoff team, whether they get the division Buffalo pretty much in charge there, but it's, it's just good to see the dolphins. Uh, I'm sure Don Shula looking down on this smiling because Shula had to adjust. Remember from his, his days mm-hmm. of pounding the ball with the no name defense and Larry Zonka to a Dan Marino and let's air it out. And, and although Marino never won the Super Bowl, uh, those days were long gone in Miami. And maybe there's a hint of excitement, at least hope, with, with Tua and, and Mike McDaniel as uh, offbeat as the beatnik coach is. When you're not seeing him live on TV, you can follow him on Instagram, Twitter, the underscore Chris Myers. Instagram, it's Chris Myers Fox. And Chris, last question I've been dying to ask you, and it's not a Fox question, but it's a big broadcasting question. When you saw the staggered start earlier in the week to Monday night football instead of the 7 o'clock East Coast start then the 7 o'clock Pacific start where fans had to make a choice. Where are we going? What are you hearing in the industry? ESPN, ABC, Disney has three games next year. Felt like they were just trying to feel us out to see what would get good ratings, even though there was a blowout in Buffalo. What are you like? Because you live on the West Coast, but you call games on the East Coast. What's the right formula going forward to stagger games or have one game going at the same time? I didn't like it on Monday night. Well, and I, I don't know that it's fair to the fans. You already struggle with that on Sundays, and I even think they can rework the Sunday windows. And this is up to the NFL and the TV networks, but I think with the money being spent and the amount of viewers that watch every NFL game, and you saw it last this went through the pandemic when we were playing games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because it's still uh, they weren't even on a national scale and they were still getting outstanding ratings. So my view would be, I, I, you know, the more windows you can create where there's less games going on at one time. Uh, fans love the choice to flip around if you're sitting at home. Sometimes that's better for many than than the actual stadium experience, unless of course you're there with your with your team in in that stadium. So I I hope that they reconsider that. We've already done a good job. The NFL has yeah. uh, of obviously making money, but spreading the product out from you know Monday night to Thursday night to Sunday night, and then all of the games in the two Eastern time windows of one o'clock and then four twenty five or one o five and four twenty five. However you want to break it down. Yes, there's going to be some overlap. But the more you can spread it out in terms of watching on, well, Sunday, nothing beats the NFL on Sunday, but then those other primetime opportunities, mm-hmm. I don't know why you'd want to force anybody into, into choosing one game over, over another if you didn't have to. Take care, Chris. We'll be watching you a lot this week. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you. Uh, hey, by the way, both Judge and Pujols will hit, will hit their mark, all right, before the season's out. <laughs> have fun with that. I know that, and I'm excited. I called the Judge one live last night. That was a really fun moment. Hey, I want to congratulate the Aces, Mark Davis, obviously everyone involved in the organization for the parade yesterday. 
for being a professional franchise, the first pro sports championship. The Aces get it done here. It looked great. I watched it on TV, and it was fantastic. Larry Delson, a great friend of mine, everyone behind the scenes in that organization, everybody in the Aces organization, congratulations. Good people, hell of a team, epic run. Becky Hammond, wow. Asia Wilson, you look at the team and everybody who stepped up and made this a great year, and the parade looked awesome on television, wondering what other parades, wink, wink, will look like down the road after seeing that. So really happy for Mark Davis, who now looks for a win for the football team and to get the season going here, but that was a big moment to buy that team and deliver a championship this quickly so Vegas would have something to celebrate. So fantastic. Congratulations again. And we hope there are many more to come for the Aces. They seem to have a loaded, loaded roster to do it again down the road. You know, congratulations to Marcus Arroyo for having UNLV off to a pretty good start this year, which is fantastic. So a lot to do in this city. What a show today. Way to go, Bobby. Chris Myers, who we just said goodbye to, along with Bill Williamson, who was good today, as always. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor, our insider. And Steve Wisniewski, the whiz. All of those interviews that we do with the alumni, they go immediately to Raiders.com, and they live in the podcast area of the website there. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Also, a quick announcement. we got a brand-new podcast for the Raiders that I and Q will be hosting, along with Lincoln Kennedy. And we'll have details on that next week. So that's going to be something exciting. Tomorrow I'm at the facility. I'll interview Josh McDaniels before the show and host the show tomorrow from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Stock market down 522. I'll have a Modelo. I don't work tonight. A nice night at home watching some baseball, kicking back and getting ready to talk to the head coach tomorrow. Q on deck. He's at practice. He's in the facility. He'll be with me on the podcast. And looking forward to hearing what his show sounds like today as always. That's it. Have a great day, everybody. At JT the Brick on Twitter. And we're on Facebook at JT the Brick if you want to go in there and make some internet friends. Be careful, though. Have a great day.